Gary Stern's 75th birthday interview, part two. Hi, my name is Jonathan Houston. I'm the editor of uh, Pinball Magazine, and I'm joined here with... Martin Ayer, and I'm the editor of Pinball News. And we're also joined here with a certain Gary Stern, who is celebrating his uh, 75th birthday. And uh, we are having an uh, exclusive in-depth interview with Gary, uh, which in total ran over two and a half hours. So we split it up into two parts, and we'd like to welcome you to part two. Um, and we'll pick just pick up uh, where we left off. Enjoy. Okay, well, you were talking about Pinstar earlier, and um, do you want to tell us how that company started up? Because didn't you start that with Steve Kirk, uh, yeah. amongst others? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But only only amongst. It was Steve and I, and he was he was going to design, but really, you know, he did the layout design work. Uh, it was really a matter of uh, simplifying. Uh, uh, first of all, Steve Steve was a great game designer. Mm. An unusual individual, right? But a great game designer. If you remember, he did uh, stars, right? And meteor, nine ball, and then he did some stuff with Bally years later. Um, but those were the ones he did with me, and they were all very good and successful games. Coincidentally, uh, movie companies keep calling. And wanting to use a meteor in their in their movie, and mm -hmm. I said, "Fine with me, but you got to get hold of." And nobody can find out who owns the rights to that. You got to get hold of the. You know, that's a Sean Connery movie, and uh, with uh, and I, I think it was Universal at one point, but that's a licensed title, right? Is it really? Yeah, right. yeah I didn't know that until recently uh, when I found that out. Yeah, so. yeah. Go, go look it up. It's worth it's worth reading about. Look it up on uh, um, IB, I, IMDb. Right. So. Um, um, so after it was one other license title that we didn't make back in those days. Um, we went to see and said. And th this is a cult movie. It's a classic now. But when we went to see it in the theater, we, you know, we were just, what is this? Blade Runner. <laughs> and what a great movie it is. But in those days, we went to see it. And I mean, and, and the, you know, it was the original cut of it, which was different. Uh, and it was, oh, my God. You know, Ridley Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's still time to correct that error if you want to. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, if they're doing, they can do Aliens and, and other uh, movies from that era. Yeah, yeah Blade Runner. Well, and Blade has been made enough, we, uh, enough times anyway. Actually, the era that is popular, you know, is is largely, you know, it, 80s are, 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 you know, Ghostbusters. 80s are cool. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, uh, in 86, you started, uh, or, or Data East sort of uh, got involved with Pinball, um, um, they were they were our original investor. Right. Shelley, Joe. How, how was that process? Can you talk us through how how that company how became to uh, interested in pinball in the first place, and then uh, assigning you as the head of it? Um, well, it was my business plan, and I went to them, and they were intrigued 
remember, don't remember, let me start from the beginning. Data East, Japanese company, owned, like most of Japanese company, a U.S. subsidiary in California. So Data East Tokyo owned Data East USA. Right. And Data East USA uh, was intrigued, Bob Lloyd was running it, and he was intrigued with the idea of, uh, of a... Uh, um, a product that didn't come from Japan that he had more control over and that he could sell worldwide instead of just in the U.S. because that was the, he was selling Japanese video games here. And so, you know, I had, I had a business plan and um, I think with the help of Ed Pellegrini, uh, uh, I approached them, I approached uh, uh, Data East uh, in fact, Mr. Fukuda, T. Fukuda, uh, came to my townhouse, and Cameco and I, Shelly downstairs, you know, we, we had two desks next to each other there, and Cameco and I uh, uh, made a presentation, and I made most of it. Cameco came up, you know, and uh, so forth, and uh, we intrigued them into investing in this pinball company. And did you did you take that idea to other companies as well? Or was the data east the only one that uh, that sort of ticked all the boxes for you? Well, I can't say that we didn't kick it around a little bit, but let's just say it's pretty, it was mostly data east. Right, and well, um, so, I mean, what 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 was the sort of um, what was the pitch? Shall I say what what? Um, how could Data East get, get their foot into the market, which was so dominated by Williams, Bally, and Gottlieb at that time? Um, Data East, as a video game, as, as a coin-op company, when it had pinball, it had pinball, it had fighting games and video, and it had redemption, which often they got from Namco. So with pinball, it became a full-line company. Right. Um, and once again, Lloyd, Bob Lloyd, a uh, good businessman, was interested in having a product that didn't come just from Japan and that he couldn't, that he wasn't limited in his sales just here. We sold games back to Japan. Mm, yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, so. It, it all made sense for them, right? So, um, um, so, so uh, it, was, it was probably the work of a great salesman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, you had to start basically all over again with uh, a factory inventory and everything uh, yeah. because. Yeah, that's right. So, so. Um, one of the key things that you probably need is uh, uh, you need a, a, an, an, uh, uh, an operating system for these uh, pinball games. Is it correct that you reverse engineered a Williams system? No, uh, no, we reverse engineered uh, parts of the printed circuit boards, and that would have been uh, and Data East. That's the one thing that they did to help us. They they had EEs and they they work with us doing that, and in fact. You know, one of their EEs was here, and uh, I would be talking to them through a translator. And uh, one day I said, you know, it, it said, you know, look, I'm not an EE, I'm a lawyer. 
And it was like I turned on a light for him because this electronics engineer from Japan up to that point thought I was the dumbest electronic engineer <laughs> ever met. And he now thinks I'm the smartest lawyer he ever met. Um, but you, you, it's against the law to, especially in Illinois at that time, to dump and copy, you know, the copyrighted uh, code. So Richard didn't who was, uh, Richard and Elaine didn't, were uh, uh, raw, uh, um, were free radical technology, which later became an incredible technology. Uh, yeah. And Richard programmed from scratch the system. He did not look at, and he was very careful not to look at any of the code that was in a Williams game. And had he looked at it and used it, somewhere there would have been uh, 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 fingerprints. Uh, there would have been some little little routine that would have come right from it. So he, he did it from from ground up. Right. But the, but the circuit boards were reverse engineered, shall we say. But yeah, the, yeah, but the yeah. code was all written from scratch. Yeah, the the circuit boards you know you're allowed to you know the, the, yeah. that's that's totally permissible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's uh, you know, copyrights on uh, drawings, but not the boards themselves. In any event, it, you know that part is permissible. Uh, right. The software, no, 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 no. In in all this, do, do, would you say that your law studies were uh, were helpful in uh, determining what you could and couldn't do? Well, yeah, they were real helpful in knowing the right patent council to go to, IP council, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that we kept things straight, and and I did, you know. And you you know, remember over the years, William sued the company and me personally a number of times. Yeah, um, do they ever win? These things always get settled. Yeah. <laughs> though, though, interestingly enough, in the, the last time it was settled, uh, uh, their lawyer said, it's a shame, uh, it's a shame that you uh, didn't have uh, uh, insurance. Well, lawyers tend to put in everything they can, every claim they can, and uh, he put in a, a false advertising claim, and we had false advertising insurance. So, yeah, it's a good part of it, good part of it was... Of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars was paid by of legal fees was paid by our insurance company, but he never knew that. He's since passed away, also. So you've you've got your, your new company. You've got um, a new factory. Um, was it was it one factory at that point, or did you have did you have the the second one? Well, you know, we started out in temporary space over on Peterson Avenue in a, a three hundred thousand square foot building that was being oh torn down. And so we had one, two offices, two rooms in it, and it, it had a big indoor area, could have been a factory. So I still have next to me a football, American football, that we used to throw around there. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, uh, and then we moved, uh, we found a place, of 40, uh, 25, 25,000 square foot factory in uh, um, Melrose. Melrose Park. Yeah. That's Later, we had another 24,000-square-foot factory at the end of the block. We did some storage in a 40,000-square-foot factory. Ultimately, we moved into that 40,000-square-foot yeah, factory. That's where we lived for many years until we came here with 110,000 square feet. Yeah, I remember visiting when you had the two, the two uh, buildings. And, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I thought the the second one was was where you did, made made all the cable looms up. Well, at one point we moved the cable department over there, and we also assembled video games for Sega because we belonged to Sega at that point, at that time. Well, we'll come to that. So, but so you got your first titles, um, Laser War. Um, how how did that become your first title? What was the what was the rationale behind picking that as a, as the theme or, uh, or you know, launching the company with that? Uh, originally, we, we were going to license Laser Tag and did, weren't successful in doing it. I, in my office, I have a, a pinball by Stern and I have a Laser War uh, sitting right here, and uh, it was. Uh, uh, it, it, I think Chemical came up with the idea for it, and uh, because it was hot, and uh, we made Laser War. Um, uh, and that was one of the few times I told uh, told him to put more parts on the game because he had one rank. I said, "You need another one." So <laughs> I have a third game in my office. I have a big box sitting here with the last that we have of uh, Beatles uh, uh, Diamond here and they were afraid of shipping it so I said well put it in my office and now the damn thing's sitting here in a box oh. so that's uh, that's much later on of course but uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Laser Wall was going to be Laser Tag and, and that would have been a license title yeah. uh, but then you did um, what Secret Service Torpedo Alley and I guess Time Machine yeah and um, which all ended up as being original titles. Were any of those ever thought of being licenses? Because after that, you did move into licensing. Yeah, I think I don't think they that they were uh, that you know uh, some licensed music in them. Yeah, right. yeah, but yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Right, and I get a little fuzzy on all this. Right, but then so uh, Playboy Thirty Fifth came along, and after that, it was basically licensing with every title. Yeah, well, uh, Checkpoint wasn't licensed. True. Still, you're uh, fit, very sharp. Another one in there. I don't think so, but there might be one more. I don't think so, though. Yeah. Um, so, well, so, well, why why go licensing? What what was the switch from going original titles and going? No, oh, hang on, licenses are much better. Let's let's do all our games that way, except Checkpoint. Yeah, they are. They are better, and they are. Uh, uh, they're they're difficult. Uh, it's expensive, not only for the license, but the design. You know, you're playing with somebody else's football, and you've got to satisfy them, and you got a lot of back and forth. But you know, a couple things about it. If you, again, you've heard me. You guys too have heard me say this. If you if you make a stuffed animal that looks like a mouse, you're not going to sell it unless you pay Walt. And then you have Mickey Mouse. If you so, it, it first it, you know it gets the first attraction, and we say the first quarter, whatever. It also gives uh, designer four corners within uh, which to design. It gives them ideas. There's a ball eating dinosaur on uh, the first Jurassic, and a better ball eating one now uh, because Crichton used it, made a dinosaur theme uh, in, in the in in the book. Um, they're, uh, they're in Tales from the Crypt there's a great scene in the dot matrix uh, uh, of somebody being cut in half with a chainsaw yeah. 
And I happen to know, as original as I think that is of our designers to come up with that, that happens to be Joe Pesci. I've seen that episode uh, being where he was cut in half. Uh, uh, it was the episode there were twin girls and they couldn't decide which would get him, so they cut him in half. Yeah. Uh, so um, any event, twin women. Um, so it gives it ideas, and it also puts you in contact with somebody who's not in the pinball ivory tower but looks at things different. So there's a lot of pluses to doing it. Um, and, and, I mean, somebody, if I call somebody and I say, I've got zombies from hell, you know, they're going to say, you know, the customer is going to say, uh, you know, send, send me two or three and I'll see what they look like and I'll test them and so forth. But if I say I got the walking dead, they say, send me a container. You know, here's $300,000, $400,000, Right. But, but you've been doing licensing for, for so long now. Um, obviously not the first in Pimble to do it, but you've been doing it for, well, since Playboy, I suppose. And... How has how you know, Playboy and Robocop and those early games, how has the licensing model and the relationship with licensors changed <laughs> to, to these days when you're doing things like Stranger Things and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Um, remember back, yeah. in, back in the old day, you know, if, if somebody wanted, if, some, if you said, I want to make a pinball machine of this 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 movie or this this um, actor or uh, this band or whatever, they, they'd be really flattered and they, they'd give you basically carte blanche to do whatever you wanted with it. Whereas I, I I that's not exactly the case now. Yeah, no, I wouldn't go quite that far, but you're right. It's exceptionally, not total carte blanche, but it's exceptionally <laughs> more recent. They have big licensing departments where um, uh, the... Um, um, where um, contracts, you know, used to be um, 10, 12 pages typed, uh, double space sometimes. Uh, they're now 72 pages with a printed format to them. Uh, there's, you know, the, as I say, big licensing departments. Uh, you know, for my first Jurassic Park contract versus the current Jurassic Park contract are nice night and day. The whole thing <laughs> was night and day, you know, 12 type pages. I think it was a, like a letter, you know, uh, and now it's huge. So the licensing has become very, very important. And, and actually, I always say that this was created largely by Lucas when mm. he, after the first Star Wars movie, and he went to see... Uh, uh, this guy, Lad, who was head of the studio, and said, okay, you owe me money. Why don't you just give me the ancillary rights? And Lad called down to his business people and said, well, we don't do much licensing. Fine. So he got the ancillary rights. And that was billions of dollars ago. Billions. So. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, you got to give him credit for having created a big part of it, movie yeah. licensing or what have you. I, I, I just wonder whether the person who assigned those rights to uh, to Lucas, whether he ever got uh, to hear about that and uh, whether that had yeah. any consequences. <laughs> That's an interesting question. A very interesting question. So, um, so obviously, um, well, you could you, you you could defer that as as that person um, uh, screwing up on that one, and we have a good laugh about it right now. Um, obviously, well, nobody- I'm not gonna say they screwed up about it. I mean, because he created something, you know, you have to know more to to say you screwed up about it. So. Right. So, yeah. but basically, uh, nobody's perfect. Uh, everybody makes mistakes. Um, 
Have there been any licenses which seemed like a good idea at the time, but in retrospect, maybe the market wasn't ready for it or the execution wasn't what it should have been? That you think, like, we should have done that differently or... Or not at all. Um, I'm sure, but <laughs> sort of at a loss right now as to... Uh, well, I, I understand that you don't want to offend any party that you worked with um, uh, if, if, if you're afraid uh, afraid of that. I can understand that. Yeah, but. I can certainly think of one off the top of my head that we maybe shouldn't have done more than once. <laughs> more than <laughs> once? <laughs> Well, there's plenty of opportunity. You seem to be uh, remaking quite a quite a number of your older titles at the moment. Um, yeah, there's some, you know. Let's. W- one of the difficulties, you know, uh, of remaking a title, you have to be a little bit careful, and that is. Uh, I'm looking for something while I'm talking to you at the same time, and I'm not finding it. Damn. Um, is that you? Um, you. Uh, you know, sometimes. Something so good, you don't want to do it again. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought that Jurassic Park was a, was a massive seller for you first time round, but didn't stop you doing it again and uh, and making a, a second success of it. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. I, I agree. Perhaps it's a perennial title. Perhaps we'll see a third one at some point. Never know, do you? <laughs> well, that, that brings me... Um, are, are there any, like, Data East titles that you think, like, oh, maybe we should look into that, doing that again, like Robocop or, um, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I have to say that we, you know, it, it's it, not only is the licensing, uh, you know... Uh, um, uh, uh, More complex? Uh, yeah, but also um, you've got... Uh, more people here uh, uh, that are, um, uh, you know, that are involved in it and and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, part of when you pick a title, you have to find designers. There's some great titles that one might want to do. And I'm certainly not going to mention them because I don't want somebody else to do them. <laughs> that, you, that, that our designers just don't have their creative juices flowing for that. Right. So, you know, okay. there's always so, some. You know, we have three silver bullets a year, three cornerstone games. So there are more than three titles a year that one might want to do. And you know that we like to do a music title every year, year and a half, that we like to do um, uh, uh, Marvel stuff. You know, um, we we do movies, we do, t- you know, TV shows, you know. It's, there's just so much, so much IP that is interesting. Right. So, um, but then again, well, there's so much IP, but there's also uh, 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 with every IP, there's a challenge. Is it suitable for pinball? Hello Kitty. Absolutely. Oh yeah, no question about that. No question about that. No question. So. Um, um, so so we're, 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 we're with Data East Pinball and. And then Daytree's pinball becomes Sega pinball. And uh, how did that come to, to happen? Okay. How did Daytree's become Sega pinball? Yeah. In, uh, what was that, 94? Again, the company started in 86, really getting somewhere in, uh, in um, 87. And Sega, 
Data East, Japan, belonged 20% to Sega. Um, part of the history is that uh, T. Fukuda, the head of Data East, mm -hmm. was the vice president of JAMA, the association, yeah. uh, Japanese Amusement Machine Association, and because he supported Nakamura, the head of uh, Namco. Well, for one reason or another, Nakamura, politically, he gave that up. And Nakayama, the head of, uh, of um, uh, uh, Sega, had to take over the ownership. You know, prior to that, Nakamura owned some, and now Nakayama had Sega. So Sega owned 20%. So interlocking directorate, so to speak. So they... Uh, uh, and um, uh, the um, uh, Data East was having some financial difficulties, so not, so they decided that they would sell the pinball company from to put money into Data East because they didn't want to just put money in. So they sold the pinball company for an exorbitant price. Uh, from Data East to Sega. And so, same company, the owner of the corporation changed. We changed the name of the corporation to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to Sega Pinball. Right. Same company. So, same so that, was, that was part of a settlement for what, uh, for the money that Data East owed Sega? No, they didn't owe it. No, 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 just, no. Oh, right. No, Data East needed, didn't, Sega didn't want Data East to fail. They didn't want to just put money in it. So right. they uh, they uh, um, bailed them out, and they bailed them out, if you would, by buying the pinball company. Right. Well, I see. Well, right. And, and and what did that mean for you and and for the company that was Data East Pinball is now Sega Pinball? Did it did anything change much apart from the the no, you know, the, the ultimate no, line of uh, of control? Didn't change much. No. Yeah, it changed. Yeah, I guess it did. Yeah, sure it did. Sure it did. Yeah, but was it something that you were upset about, or was it like, oh, okay, sure, no, uh, we no, 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 I wasn't upset about it at all uh, because uh, <laughs> I think that you know I wasn't upset about it because Data East was, I mean, Data East was in trouble, and so mm. I want to go down with them. No, it it seemed as though from a, from a, a player's perspective, it seemed as if the company had more money to play with. Yeah. Uh, once yeah, Sega took over, because you were able so to do the big, big displays, the wide body machines, the sort of stuff that yeah. you, you could more, more, more reputation, more money to play with, uh, more uh, 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 credibility with distributors. Remember, we were in the commercial business largely then. So, yeah. yeah. So the, I mean, the one question I've always wondered is why, as part of Sega, was there never a, a Sonic the Hedgehog pinball? You know, we made Sonic as a redemption game, and they were very, very protective of that trademark. Oh, so, okay. I don't know if we even thought about doing it, but I know that when we made it as a redemption game, they were very, very protective. Right. So so how did, uh, at some point, uh, well, you know, in I, 19... I don't know if we ever pulled that off. 
I'm not sure. I think we did, but I'm not sure. Hey, Shell. Shell. <laughs> Here we go. Question. Ask the font of all knowledge. Yeah, of course. We, we, work, we worked on the Sonic Redemption game. Do we ever build it? We build Sonic Redemption? She doesn't remember either. <laughs> you know, you're, you're covering a lot of territory. Mm. Well, oh, 75 years is a lot of... Yeah, so the, it, it ended 20 years ago. I don't think so. I don't think we did. I think we wanted to, and they didn't let us. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, we had to fight just to put the Sonic logo on our fax forms. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, they're very yeah. protective of Sonic. So Don't blame them. Yeah. Here's the inside scoop. <laughs> we certainly had Sonic on your uh, dot matrix displays, and uh, it looked very good in the with the big size and the high resolution yeah. displays. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, right. so, so, what happened after a couple of years? Because obviously, Sega Pinball um, at some point you bought it uh, to form uh, Stern, the current Stern Pinball. Yeah, yeah, we changed its name, so the holding company became a, a different holding company than Sega, and it was my holding company. And the reason is, um, first of all. Typically, we were buying. Well, we were. We were buying nothing from the parent company, Sega. We were shipping no profit, uh, no, no, you know, profit by buying their games or making profit. Uh, you know, is stuff that comes from them, and they're always concerned with the Japanese. Typically, are concerned with the Japanese parent company. And yes, yeah, nice to have a subsidiary, but they want a related business where it's, it's buying from them, where it's doing stuff for them. Um, the um, the um, so and they had their own problems uh, at that point. So uh, they didn't want to fund us, uh, and uh, you know they gave they left some funding in, shall we say, but they didn't want to fund us. Uh, and uh, they didn't want to close us, so I bought it from them. Right, right. which is again where your uh, expertise as a uh, um, uh, well, what you learned basically in in in, in law school and so on, uh, probably came in handy. It came in handy, and uh, you know, one of my associates was uh, my lawyer, uh, David Schoenberg, since passed away. I keep saying that about people. Uh, That's he when was you have to, he's, a, he, he's a great deal maker, and he'd been with me since uh, the since '76 as my attorney. Right. So. Um uh, in, in, all the, in all this time from being Data East and well, not so much when it's Data East, more when it was it was Sega and when it started, when it started and um, the first few years of, of Stern Pinball, um, there was various sort of expansions and um, and quite a bit of um, downsizing as well, or, or I think you called it right sizing at the time. Uh, was there ever a point where you really? Had had doubts as to whether the the business would would be able to continue, whether that was the end, or were you, were you always always optimistic that you better you know, pull it out of the bag one way or the other? Um, we're very tenacious. Um, you know, certainly, you know, they could have flushed us then. I, I guess uh, that would have been unwise. We showed them why it would have been unwise. Um, we um, uh, two thousand and eight. You know, remember. Uh, 
uh, Dave Peterson uh, came in in 2008, 2009, really, uh, he, and we worked very hard to get in a position for that. And by the way, um, Dave Schoenberg, my David, my my lawyer has also been a lawyer for Dave Peterson, and that's how we we got in contact with each other. Um, so, uh, was was that Mark Schoenberg's father? Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Yep. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. David and I have been, you know, known each other, I and mean, certainly since '76. We went to the same high school, for God's sakes, uh, so even before that. But we really knew each other from '76, is when he was a young lawyer and I was a, a young entrepreneur. Right. Okay. Um, you really going to play? We're we're you know we're 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 just done, and I don't mind two hours, and you're going to have to replace twenty minutes of it. You're going to play. <laughs> Two and a half hours, three hours on some stream? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. People are going to listen to it twice. This is gold. You're, You're talking can. about stuff that you never mentioned before, and it's answering a lot of questions that people in the community have. So we're, we're very appreciative. Okay. Right. Don't for one minute think this is, this is not interesting to people. It definitely is. It's certainly interesting to us, anyway. So, okay. Okay, I just okay. looked at it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this is why we wanted to have the, have plenty of time to to go through all this because yeah. because okay. you know there's a lot to cover. Right. And, and so. Even then, we're only scratching the surface, of course. If it's any uh, any uh, con uh, um, uh, relief, um, we're way over uh, uh, half past through all the questions that we wrote down. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. I'll try to talk faster and less. <laughs> you guys are funny. Okay. Well, what, I mean, going back to um, the market then for for pinball, um, which has obviously changed significantly over the years from um, from being almost entirely operated dominated to, to having a, a significant home collector aspect to it. Um, do, do you sort of ever? Regret saying that at some point that the the home collectors weren't your your key market, or was or was or weren't a significant factor in in uh, who you were selling to, or or was that accurate at the time? But the market's changed so much now that um, it's it's um, it was true then, but isn't now. It was true. It was true. Um, it was definitely true. Um, in our the marketplace is certainly that you know we we have. In fact, when Dave came in here, I, I said to him, you know, to coming and looking, and I said, you know, I'm the commercial guy, and, and I've been running a commercial game business, and we have developed and are developing a, you know, a large home segment. And again, I divided into two different segments, but into a large home segment. You know, prior to that, sure, you know, many of us, you know, had a friend who's, Family had an old pinball machine or what have you in their basement. Uh, we have basements here, um, uh, but it wasn't anything like today, where uh, you know it's a significant uh, business uh, for it. And remember also that there was, you know, if you go back to the '90s when there was a in '93, '94 there was probably a hundred thousand pinball machines, much simpler games being made. Um, and uh, there was not the 
the uh, other entertainments that are available today. There, there was no streaming. There was no internet. There was, you know, uh, or there was no. Everybody have internet. There, there. Uh, uh, the gambling wasn't around as much as it is now. Certainly in this country, there was just. We are competing with so many different entertainments now, uh, in and out of home. And we've become an in-home entertainment in addition to an out-of-home entertainment. So do I regret saying it? No, that was the nature of the business we were in at the time. But we're, we're, this is not the same business, and, and it will continue to, to evolve. And, and would you say that the, the home collector market or enthusiast market has been effectively the saviour of Stone Pinball, given the decline in, in operators, uh, operator sales? I think it's been a significant part of our business and an important part of our business um, to make the kind of games that we do and the difference. I sure it's very important. Um, I think without the commercial side, you know, that's 40, 50 percent of our business. We'd also have a problem. We need all of it. Um, having said that, um, uh, it's um, it's. It, it's not just, when I talk about home, it's not just enthusiasts. We also have the rec room buyer. The guy who just, you know, the guy, gal who wants a pinball machine but isn't going to have three or five or two or even, or, or 200. Oh, that doesn't uh, exist. If, uh, once you buy one, you have to buy another one, and then it starts growing. Well, that, we like that, and I have three Harleys, um, uh, so I get that. Uh, um but um, one of those Harleys, by the way, and you guys know Frank Ballou, one of them's his old Harley from 1993. He can't ride anymore, and he had sent it to his brother, who, again, is somebody who passed passed away, and uh, he couldn't really sell that old thing in the shape it was in, so he gave it to me. and So I put more money into it than it's worth, too. <laughs> right, so. Um, but but so, so, so we're talking about the... Um uh, the home users, um, um, but uh, Stern also has the, uh, and you mentioned this already, the the Pro Premium and the Limited Edition model range, so to speak. Um, how important has that been to, uh, for Stern to to basically uh, come back after the big financial crisis and and really? Um, uh, become the company that it is today, which is a, 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 a very large company, I have to say. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is important, and uh, you left out the pin. Um, you know, the home the home only version. All right, uh, we're coming to that. So, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, and, and and basically, you know, we talk about three three segments, three market segments. Uh, being uh, the commercial, which we talk about being operators, but it's really uh, it's operators and their players. We have the uh, the enthusiast collector, and third segment being the rec room buyer, and so we have three segments, and one size does not fit all. So they need different, you know, different different uh, products. I mean, the the pro is often good for the enthusiast collector, but it's mostly you see for operators and for rec room buyers, if that operator has a location that uh, he's putting games in that has a 
a uh, pinball enthusiast clientele, uh, he's probably better with a premium or, or even an LE in that location. So, you know, different different uh, games uh, suit different places. And, and do, would you say that that segmentation has been you know, critical or a major factor in uh, Stern's success in, in making sure. it the company it is now? Sure, it has, and 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 we find ourselves unique in in being that we're concerned with all aspects, all three aspects. You know, other other people may be. Uh, interested in all three at some level but we we take very seriously all three segments well you, you mentioned you mentioned three but but earlier you were talking about four so we would no no have, no haven't we looked at the, the low end of the market really no, no, well wait wait, wait. It's, it's three segments three segments you've got the commercial segment the the Enthusiast collectors, I put them together. They may be competitors, they may be collectors. You know, they they are they are people who are really into pinball. And then the rec room buyer, the somebody who's very casual into it. He's, I always describe it as a 45-year-old guy who played pinball when he was a kid, and now he wants one for the home because it's cool, and he tells his wife it's for the kids. Um, so... That rec room, that the 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 pin, is largely appealing to the rec room buyer, and it's elasticity of demand. It's uh, trying to bring a price point down so they can you know have more interest and get into it. Will they later want a you know a, a bigger, more expensive pinball? Well, that'd be nice. Do you think you've um, you found that niche yet, where where you can build a build the pin? Uh, at such a price point and um, and make it sufficiently like a commercial machine that that um, it'll generate significant sales or you I mean you, you seem to be toying with it with trying different ideas well I, I, I have to tell you that uh, yes trying different ideas we've upgraded the product uh, toying with it we're spending way too much money to be toying <laughs> well yeah okay we really believe that we need that this market exists and it will introduce more people to pinball and some of them will move on to become enthusiasts, collectors, and competitors, whatever. But that's you know again we you know this is this game is fun and we're trying to expand its uh, its um, uh, its uh, reach uh, certainly you know and you asked is 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 the home part of the business important to us. It's been important the last number of months, just as it's been important to the exercise equipment people and uh, and so forth. And now that people are starting to get out, the bicycles are being sold and what have you. Yeah, absolutely. But you you, you still haven't haven't got the game into into the WalMarts and the Costcos and. Places no, like I'm not sure. I'm not sure that all those are the best places for them. We you know we've you know big box stores. We're still experimenting and seeing how much we want to be in them uh, versus in a dealership situation. You know, uh, a smaller retailer. Well, the pin is still being sold When you put a pinball machine, you sit it on the floor of, of a, uh, a big box store, and it's put off on the end cap. Uh, it, there's nobody there to sell it, to explain it. It's just sitting there, and sometimes it just becomes a babysitter for the children. 
and of course, you have the problems with um, with whatever servicing is required. Well, that's that. a lot of play, and it becomes a baby. Sir, we we did an experiment once with um, Sam's Club. Oh God, a, 10, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, we had games in there without uh, without Coinmex, and they yeah. still managed to start them and play them. Coins just falling right through. I don't know how they did it. I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, they became babysitters and so forth. So, yeah, they'd find coins inside them. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one of the other markets I, I know you've been trying um, trying to break into, in, and not alone in that, of course, is, uh, is the Chinese market and selling games over there. You know, you're a fairly regular visitor over there, aren't you? Um, uh, not right now. No, no, that's true. Well, fact, irregular then at the moment. The show but. in September, I'm not going. I'm not going. not going. I actually enjoy China, but mm. no, I'm not going. No, we have some success. It's very slow, very slow. You know, it's, it's more difficult to introduce pinball to a country with no territory, with no history of yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, versus, you know, Eastern Bloc had, you know, some history and so forth. So it's it's more difficult. Okay. Right. Um, how has the um, the uh, the growth of the barcade movement, uh, which I guess can be it covers like the the past ten years, how has that boosted? Uh, uh, the, the the growth of Stern Pinball. Oh my God, fantastic! And why is it fantastic? Well, first of all, if you know, if there's a, we know of say a thousand barcades, and thereby, uh, you know, they, let's say they have an average of um, ten pinballs in them. Some of them are a lot more. Some don't have. A few don't have any, but you know, some are twenty and what have you. Let's say ten pinballs. Uh, five of them are newish. Games, so you know, there's you know, uh, 5,000 new games that were sold in the last few years, uh, and not 10 years in the last few years, uh, so that's significant. Uh, probably more than that, I'm probably you know, low on my number. Uh, the other thing that they're doing is they are introducing a new group of people who one day are going to be the enthusiast who wants the game in his home. We, You know, if we don't have pinball machines on the street where people in the public play them and see them, then they will truly become a collectible, like a uh, an old Model A Ford or Model T Ford, you know, a Ford from, uh, from uh, 100, 110 years ago. And... And, and those people who have them at home, if, if, you know, if there's no need to keep making them and they're not on the street, they'll, they'll be saying there's a pinball machine in the corner. Don't touch it. Don't play it. It's an antique. It is a collectible. There, and so we needed a new group of people who want it. And if you look at, go back to automobiles again, the cars people are collecting that they want today in America are muscle cars from the uh, 70s and uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, or they're they're old Porsches or old Ferraris or something they're collecting. But people aren't buying 1930 Fords anymore, you know, Model A Fords. Anybody who who collected and wanted that old Model A Ford, they all have something in common. They want them. They're dead. 
They're not around anymore. They're not. They're not the car. They're not the car that the guy who wants to buy an old car to have as a cool thing drove or saw when he was a kid. He wants a muscle car. Right. Well, I guess it's exactly like you say. Well, the it, point it, is that we don't have any games on the street 20, 30 years from now. Nobody will be wanting these things as collectibles because it's not something that's current. Mm. Right, right. So well, you're saying you're saying how uh, how arcades have been so such an instrumental in in driving forward not only relevance but sales. But do you think you know, what's been happening in the past couple of months, or uh, and and will be ongoing in in many areas, um, is going to have an impact on sales or um, all that, or indeed um, well, that sure, relevance? Sure, sure, it will because people in uh, in. Uh, I don't know for how long, but um, some places will close and not reopen. Mm. Uh, that's you know, it's no no secret that that's a fear. Um, some places that have games in them have to spread out the tables and don't think to put the games between the tables. They they want the games out for a while. Uh, not necessarily barcades, but places in general. Barcades may be spreading the games out or turning every other one off. Uh, so they're. You know, there's adjustments to be made, and it's you know we're we're going through a time, no question about it. Are you seeing? I, mean, I, I know you haven't actually been you know, building games for the past few weeks, but uh, no, 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 are, no, are you no, seeing no, the impact no, of this? No, no, we we have been building games since uh, May you know, 29th. 29th, and uh, you know we had some games that we were shipping that were in stock uh, that you know we were shipping prior there too. Right, but uh, are you seeing any impact from this um, reduction in the number of, um, say, outlets for your games? Yes, or, or, yes, yeah. yes. Our distributors, our games, because everybody's games. Yeah, our our distributors are buying far less, uh, and our dealers are probably more. But we're sitting with thousands of games on back order right now that we're trying to fill. We've got lots of back orders, and some of those may be home. Some are commercial. Some of the commercial guys, you know, sell you know uh, sell uh, to to all markets. Certainly, our our Europeans uh, importers uh, may concentrate more themselves, but they have dealers who con- more themselves on commercial, but they have dealers uh, who sell to uh, the two different home segments and uh, we uh, and some of our importers do sell to all three segments mm. yeah so and our Australian our Australian customers is doing fantastic um, and he's selling all three segments okay right. um, I, I, I suppose because you mentioned it just just now about um, when, when you partnered, partnered up with uh, Dave Peterson um I guess as well. I know there's been a lot of a lot of changes internally within the company from that point onwards, aimed at getting you where you are now. Um, not not all of which has been obvious or apparent to the public. Uh, wondered if you could you could tell us, you know, how the stern pinball of uh, you know 2008 compares to the stern pinball of 2020. Yeah. Um, we're well. First of all, 2008, we stripped the company. Uh, Michael yeah. Donnell, our CFO, he's been with uh, with us since '87, uh, 
and uh, a lot of the people here have been here a long time. Uh, very few people leave, uh, but we've grown, and our staffing is much higher. We're in a bigger facility. The uh, we build uh, 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 more games now than uh, I mean. We there was a time when we built more but simpler games, um, and um, um, staffing wise, we have a you know. A, uh, George has created a game studio that's much larger. Uh, the manufacturing techniques uh, and uh, and uh, systems have been greatly increased by more different manufacturing people coming in. They're more professional. Um, um, uh, the um, uh, we have uh, some younger salespeople that came from this. Um, our salespeople are all came from this from the uh, game business, the commercial game business, um, uh, except for the head of sales, who when uh, Dave and I were looking for somebody, and I saw John Viscalia's resume, he was the only one from Chicago, not from Chicago, that we interviewed, and I saw on his resume, tops. He worked for Tops, was a trading card company, mm -hmm. which I don't think Dave even knew what was at the time. And maybe he did, but I don't think so. And I looked at that and I said, "This could be our guy," and uh, and he was, and he is. And uh, no, it's it, you know that. So you know, there's you know some of the stamping is for different direction. Uh, certainly, adding a uh, LCD display uh, creates a whole new <laughs> stamping. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, yeah, you're going to make all those assets. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's you know it's it's big and it's costly. It's a it's a hungry process, isn't it? It needs a lot of people, a lot of effort. It's it's not just saying, well, what I used to do in the dot, I'm going to do the same yeah. thing in the display because when you look at that, it didn't work. You know, you needed more. And these guys do phenomenal stuff. Yes, yeah, sometimes we have stuff from the uh, licensor. Sometimes we uh, we augment it. Sometimes we start from scratch. And it's not just a bunch of stuff thrown up there. It is very, very good creative storyboarded stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. So obviously the, the whole company's expanded enormously over the yeah. past few years. Yeah. Um, and and you've no, not you personally, but no, the, the premises in which you operate has expanded. You've moved to, to, to a bigger place now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. hold, on. hold on one second. Hey, I'm, I'm doing an interview. I'll call you later. Yeah. Yeah. You're in a new, newish new factory, been there a while now. Um, yeah. is, is that big enough for... Um, as large as you intend to be, um, or can you see yourself moving to uh, to another premises anytime in the next few years? It 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 it's probably right size. Uh, it's probably right size. We um, not to say that if we were to integrate any vertical any vertical integration of. Um, of, um, uh, for example, if we were to want to print our own uh, play fields, that there's not room for in here. Right. Or if we wanted to put the coating on ourselves, um, that probably should be in a different building, anyways. You know. For, yeah. For, yeah. It's just because you know it's it's gassy. You know. 
Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm just aware of, of all the all the building work that's going on around your your premises there. Um, on the other side of the street, where they've just demolished everything and built all these server farms and yeah, uh, yeah. and the factory yeah. next door. I think they're they're. I don't know what they're doing there. I don't know what they're doing with that one. I really don't, because they've been playing around with it for a long time. Uh, they haven't come knocking on your door saying, mm, nice factory you've got there. We'd like to knock that down and, and build something else. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. I'll take that as a yes. Okay. Um well, so, I mean, I mentioned, mentioned just now about about other companies, and um, of course, you know, famous for for having said that um, you were the only company making pinball at one time. The uh, the for last a decade, stand. yeah, and uh, that any other company entering that market would cause a would cause them both to fail. Um, well, I guess that was an overstatement, wasn't it? Uh, but, you know, if you really think about it, entering the market, you know, we're, yeah. what, 85% of the market? Uh, argue with me, 80%, 90%, 85% of the market. I've got a study yeah. that says we're 85%. I think that's low. Um, and and then you can segment the market and talk about the different segments. We're more than that of the commercial market and so forth. Um and, and I, I kind of tell you, I, half the time I don't actually I don't know that much about what the uh, you know some guys are hobbyists uh, at it uh, or they you know they got a nice small business they're very happy with and there's a place for them uh, in it uh, uh, so forth. Uh, and, uh, I don't really know that much because I think we're they're 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 not very noisy. I mean, I don't know that much of what's going on at the other the other people are trying to do. They're doing what they're doing, and you're doing what you're doing. But but you're you're quite comfortable with the fact that there are you know potentially about a dozen companies out there of one kind or another producing um, pinball machines, and it's not yeah. it's not something you have a um, you don't wish any of them or, or or want to get back to having being the only player in the market again. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. This is great. Thank you. I'm having one right now. Thank you. I'm having one right now. Shelly's leaving and she's giving me a Raffaello. What do you call these things? Raffaello. These little coconut things. See that? You can't see it. They're great. I is mean, there a turtle on it? No, 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 no. Oh, no. no. Very good, Jonathan. That was good, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ferraro. Harold Kessing. Oh, these are good. I know. They're the best. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. the best. So I'll be on a call in the morning. Pardon me for eating in front of you all. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, it's your birthday. birthday. We'll, Bye, we'll allow it. Yeah. Bye, Shelly. That's, that's the start of the birthday cake. Mm. Oh, that's great. Great. I'm on a diet. No cake. I've lost, as I told you, maybe close to 20 pounds. Depends. I, I, I was 20 pounds yesterday. I put a pound back on, two pounds back on. You're certainly one of the few people who've lost money, uh, lost money, lost weight during this. Uh, yeah, most of them. Well, two things. A, I made a concerted effort, but also, I don't drink alone at home. The only time I drink at home is uh, I live alone. I, is if I'm uh, if I'm going to go out to dinner, I often have a drink at home first, rather than buying two drinks when I'm out. I buy one. Okay, right. right. <laughs> um, 
I, you know, I remember when I was 30 or so, I didn't drink for a month and I lost weight. You know, drinking, I mean, I like vodka. Everybody knows that. Most of your listeners would know that. Mm-hmm. I haven't kept it a secret. Uh, but I've, I've drank very little because there's been nowhere to drink at home. And you're not supposed to have a bunch of people over anyways. And uh, I just, I don't, just don't sit around and drink. Right. Well, so that, I think that helped me lose weight. Possibly, yeah. Or not leaving the house for a month or two. Well, now, I haven't been that that secluded. I did have, I did have down the street from my house, uh, from my apartment, there is a, a pop-up uh, uh, test uh, a number of weeks ago. And it was raining, so I said, okay, I'll go over. And I had a swab and I had a blood test. And it took 10, 12 days to get the results, at which point the results meant nothing. Mm, right. <laughs> but uh, they were negative in both cases. Those were tests to was whether you had it, not whether you have had it, were they? Oh, yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And not, till, not yet. And not till tomorrow. I call him tomorrow. Oh, I already know because it is okay. tomorrow. Yeah, it is tomorrow. No, no, no. His birthday's the 13th. His birthday's oh, Saturday. That's right, because it's day Yeah, yeah, we're talking about our customer in Australia, Bruce Colburn. Is he's a year and one day. That's AM day D. He's a year and one day younger than me. So on June twelfth, I always call him to wish him happy birthday because it's June thirteenth there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you. Yeah. So where were we? We were talking about my blood test and and, and, and swap. Or we were talking about how much it was at home. No, I, I probably came in the office uh, even during all this uh, as we were, um, regardless of my age, uh, the, we, you know, we were preparing the place. We were this or that. Uh, and I probably came in uh, one to three days a week even during all this. Uh, other than that, you know, I might have gone out on a, to ride my motorcycle. There's nowhere else to go. Um, uh, I had to stay away from my daughter's apartment because being pregnant, she didn't want anybody around uh, during this. And uh, I did. My, uh, my ex-wife uh, had an injury, so, you know, I uh, was over there helping her some. Uh, and, uh, 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 you know, hmm. right. so, uh, it sounds like you've been busy and, and clearly there's no, I have no indication of, uh, of Gary Stern ever, ever retiring from the well, pinball I, business. I talk about semi-retiring, but not retiring. Yesterday I was with, um, some guys are at Tilt Studio down in Rockford opening up a big uh, FEC. Oh, yeah. Mm. And Craig Singer is the owner. Uh, Kevin uh, Jordan is, is this guy who puts everything together and runs it. But Craig, who Craig is a uh, actually a Gottlieb son-in-law. And uh, he, he lives in Texas. And uh, so he was in there for the day. And I was down and saying hello and seeing him. And uh, he says, no, what would you do if you retire? We were talking, you know, quickly about it. He's 73. So he's, he's, he's a youngster. Um, and, you know, I talk about semi-retiring, you know. But, you know, you've heard my story with the taxidermist. That, you know, I, I got, you know, I, at, uh, at this bar that uh, my friend Joanna works at, uh, there were business cards sitting there, one for a taxidermist. So I... Um, 
you know, they stuffed animals and so forth. Mm. So I called and I got a quotation uh, from the taxidermist. And when I die, he's going to fix me up with moving eyes and put me in the conference room here. And I'm going to be watching these people forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have not told us that yet. But <laughs> ah, that's it. I'll always be here. But, you know, you guys have seen the uh, uh, the uh, the flat Gary out front. The, yeah. The, the standee. No. No, it's going to be real Gary from the That stuffed in the, the real thing with moving eyes and the whole thing. Well, if, if you weren't there, I, I guess there's no no one else in the family that uh, was also that's, no that's uh, take over in the pinball business, is there? No, no. Uh, my family, as I said, one daughter is a uh, uh, in the Directors Guild, movie directing uh, second mm -hmm. AD right now, moving her way up. And the other does digital marketing, including some work for us. She's the one that's having the baby, so she's not doing work for us right now. She's on hiatus. But as a consultant for us, she's really good at what she does. She, Lindsay, they tell me, is the smartest in our family. They being the rest of my family members, <laughs> among other people. Uh, so I, I believe that. I believe that. So, as you're, as you're all clearly in the business for a while, yeah, what's... What would you say is, is the um, probably the biggest challenge you can, you can see coming coming down the line in uh, in for Stern Pinball? Oh, I don't know. It's uh, you know, it's uh, certainly we need to get through this. Uh, we need to, uh, and we've got some business things that aren't very interesting that we have to get done. We were <coughs> we were in the midst of putting in, as I said, a new ERP system, and that's a big big task, and that of course. <laughs> went by the you know went to stall that was stalled during this yeah. <laughs> this uh, thing so there's there's business things there's organization there's redoing this place certainly laying it out for a for a uh, <coughs> for um um but safe social distancing and all that kind of stuff social you know, yeah. social distancing and masks and everything and making sure everybody is safe and healthy you know. As I say, a little bit of the fabric of life would be gone if we didn't have pinball. But these aren't high lung machines. Nobody should get sick from from them. So no, just the opposite. Know, we need to be sure all of our our employees who are our friends um, are, are provided for by having work, and at the end are provided for by uh, by uh, uh, being safe here. Uh, uh, you know we. We 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 are an employer that has to uh, has yeah. responsibilities. Yeah, responsibilities, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, first and foremost, these are businesses. Well, yeah. this is not a hobby. This is a business. It's an advocation, but you know, besides a vocation, it is a business, and it is very important that we make sure it's protected, <laughs> and that it makes money to continue itself, and to. Um, to, uh, to see our vision. Oh, and to see our vision. And remember, remember, our vision, and I'll do this at the end when we're done, but I'll tell you that our vision is to create a global lifestyle brand built on the iconic and outrageously fun modern American game of pinball that perpetuates pinball and the rapidly growing adrenalized global community of pinball fanatics for generations to come. Have you got that printed on the wall somewhere? Um, actually, it's hung in the office in, in the factory. Oh right. <laughs> yeah, but I happen to have a copy of it here. 
Right. <laughs> so, but it's one of the, you know, you've seen the different hangings we have in the factory. Well, yeah. one, it's right there. That's what, you know, you come in, that's what you're going to see. Right. So, um, now, speaking of um, um, the factory, I'm going to make a little um, uh, jump in topic here. Um, obviously, uh, the pinball games uh, that are being designed by uh, the design teams that you have uh, working in-house, they need to be manufacturable. And over the years, we heard plenty of stories of um, uh, cost-cutting uh, uh, measures in the sense like mechanisms that were either not reliable or too expensive that had to be um, uh, replaced and so on. Um, what can you tell us about finding the right balance unto, yeah. up to the point? Let me, from, let, me, let, me, let me tell you what we do. First of all, you know, we have life test rooms and we life test things. Um, we have a, a 14, 15 month, 14 month technically, it runs longer, NPI, new product introduction uh, program, a, a set thing that we're supposed that we do in order to get all these things done in a timely way. Included in that is a preliminary and early, not just Whitewoods, but at some point when we think we have a design, we have a, um, a DV build, a design validation build. We build a number of the games in, in, in engineering mostly, partly in the factory and engineering. Prior to going in production, with actual production parts, we have a PV, a production validation build. And uh, we build... Uh, 10, 12 of, of, of each model of the game, uh, more if we have an event coming up, like when we do Milwaukee with 30 games there, um, before the, or as they're being uh, introduced, um, to, to validate. And so the factory people are building it, the factory uh, production people. And all along the way, we have gate uh, meetings, uh, uh, both of the design aspects, sales, whatever, but also the manufacturing people. Um, the what we, we don't cheapen up a mech, but we may not put the mech in because you're, you're you're inferring that we find cheaper ways uh, to save money to build it and make it inferior. And what we do is we take it out if we can't if we're over budget. Uh, and we do have budgets, it's a business, we don't put it in. We don't cheapen the mech. Um, we, you know, we, we certainly uh, do, you know, uh, uh, sourcing and buying and changing this, this, uh, this supplier or that supplier. We have, in, we have incoming inspection, we have in factory, in, uh, in supplier inspection. So, you know, we're very attuned. They're, they're, there's, and we've made a lot of improvements and changes in this. Um, so I, I take exception to the idea that, that in order to save money, we cheapen up the mech. Right. So, but there's still a. Um, I'd say it's probably an art to 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 find the right balance whether um, a toy uh, should be in the game, even though it's probably a little uh, too expensive for the bill of materials, but it adds so much, or um, leave the toy out, and then you have a, 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 an opening on the playfield where you still need to do something. You need need well, to replace it. Put, if you don't put in a toy to save money, you still spend some money. You don't get, it's not, you have a blank. So if you've got a, you know, a $50 toy and take it out or a $75 toy and take it out, you don't save 75 bucks. You save right. some part of that. But having said that, 
um, to, two points to that is that it's not unusual that, yeah, we're, I'd like to say we're always on budget. Uh, I can tell you that we're not under budget. Um, the uh, second thing that I can tell you is that we are very conscious of, and don't always succeed with it, but very conscious of having differentiation between the pro and the premium LE. And then, you know, we do have, you know, a standard uh, differentiation on the premium and the LE, uh, you know, with uh, the shaker motor, the glass, the mirrored glass, the playfield glass, the the uh, inside side armors, the, uh, you know, the fancy metal work and, and, and the sound system stuff. So uh, uh, there's, we, 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 we are conscious of differentiating between the models. Hmm. Okay, can, can I just go back to something you mentioned just now, which is um, a term I hadn't heard of before, your, your production validation models, yep. Uh, yep. which I guess would previously in, in other places have been called sample games. Those, um, uh, a little those, different. Uh, no, 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 a little no, different. That different. different. Yeah, you see, sample games might be made in an engineering department, uh, might be made, uh, you know, uh, partly in production, partly in engineering. A production val validation means run a bunch of these games down the production line to right. validate. The actual, not with sample parts, with actual production parts, the parts that are made the same as the part that's going to be, you know, you can, you can get a sample part made on a one-off type thing, but the production validation has the real parts. So w would those gains be any different to, uh, to a full production game? It, no, unless we learned something there and had to jump through hoops to fix it. No. It's right, not okay. The idea is that is a production validation sure. game. It is a production game, not a design validation. DV is the sample you're talking about. Right. PV okay. is production. And this is some of the things that we've added here in the last uh, couple of years as we uh, try to be better manufacturers, not just better designers. I was just wondering whether if people buy a game, would, would there be any difference if they got a production validation game or a full production game you're saying it's very unlikely that it would be very very unlikely very unlikely um, um, I, it's supposed to be that the real artwork the real everything mm. uh, I can't tell you we've never used a white wood for that uh, but then took it apart but it was still made with the with the mechanical parts and run down the line and made by the production people with with our uh, added uh, you know we now have a uh, production engineer out there and, a, and an industrial engineer we've we've added a lot of manufacturing staff that you would see in a regular manufacturing company not in a pinball manufacturing company sure yeah, I just there's, there's always always people who are interested in you know what what game is you know with the first games off the line or the last games off the line, uh, what the differences might be between them and whether there are any differences between them whether yeah, the game develops. And, and sometimes as we learn something, you know, we think everything's great and it's out in the field and we learn something and that we could do or the production people say now that we're building it this would be easier we do running changes of some things so yes yeah. just like the car manufacturer sure yeah yeah okay right. interesting stuff so um now if i uh, uh we mentioned orbiter one uh earlier on in this this podcast which is a, a type of game that can be seen as quite 
revolutionary in the sense that it was so different than anything else that was out there um, uh, at that time. Um, since then, or, or since, <laughs> <laughs> or even still, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, uh, I don't think we've seen any uh, uh, revolutionary pinball developments since then. It's all been sort of more evolutionary in the sense that, okay, yes, we got a, a dot matrix display and eventually that turned into an LCD and some other elements uh, uh, changed. But um, do you miss uh, the opportunity to try more radical designs and do the things a bit differently for a change? Or are you comfortable the way you're doing things right now? We have some things that we're planning that we think are really important. We've made some changes that, uh, uh, and, and George would speak better to these than I would, uh, in uh, the type of games, the type of rules, um, uh, it, how, it, it, and, and some of these toys that what we call toys are, you know, I, I'm a, George is a toy designer by background, uh, you know, is from uh, from um, the Marvin Glass Toy Company. Yeah, um, and uh, so there, you know, there's there's more change than than uh, you you allude to. Um, but he's better to speak to that than I am. Uh, as far as something that's just weird, radical, um, you know, this is a sport. Pinball's a sport. And if you go too far afield, you're making a round tennis court, it's not the same sport anymore. Uh, again, I think wide bodies are not the same sport anymore. Some people obviously disagree with me. Um uh, I do know there was a guy, Neil Falconer, who was a, a program a designer, programmer uh, in this business, also passed since passed. Um, he, um, he was at Valley and he was uh, with us. And uh, whenever somebody started making wide bodies, he, uh, he polished up his resume and got it ready to go out because that was usually a sign that somebody was trying to do something because the business was on the way down. Yeah, you look historically at wide bodies, and even though Flight 2000 is one of my favorite games, you know that you shouldn't. In my opinion, we have you know a size that is pinball. It's it's just like I didn't like cocktail table. I never played barely those cocktail table sit down round things, or the one midway made with the turn with the play field turn to you. You're right. Yeah, rotation no, eight. Yeah, right. I don't. That's not pinball to me. Now, turtles, turtles is pinball to me, and I have one in my apartment. Uh, you know, I don't live in a big apartment, so I have one game there, and uh, I took that one home because of the COVID nineteen situation. I couldn't learn it well enough here to get ready to do my webinar, uh, and so I needed it home to play. Now. I got I'm digressing, but Lindsay, my younger daughter, heard that I had it there, and she, when she was little, she was a uh, a turtles turtles kid, a turtles fan, and everything that we got her to do, we bribed her. Her parents would bribe her with turtle stuff, you know, and turtle power, and get her a turtle this and a turtle that. 
So she had it. So she came, you know, the one of the few times I got to see her since this whole thing started was because I had the Turtles pinball machine and I got the pro. She loved it. Um, now that I learned the premium LE, I'm going to swap this one out one day for a premium for a while because <laughs> uh, there's some stuff in that. And I that the ramp on the left and the, the whole skill shot and so forth. And by the way, I'm, I always pick Donatello because it gets me into a multi-ball faster. Right, yeah. right, right. So, yeah. so is it very common for you that uh, sort of like the the newest title on the line uh, ends up in your apartment, or is it only with occasional titles? Um, I used to do that much more regularly. Um, I'm going to start doing that again. Uh, and I tell you, I they put it in the truck, and I drove the truck home, and I, with a with a pin dolly, and I had one of the guys in the building building help me put it on the pin dolly. Took it upstairs. We, you know, we put the legs on. Uh, you know, the maintenance guy in the building and so forth. That I didn't have them come deliver it for me. I put it in there. And when it leaves and I switch it, I'll do the same thing. Well, and that okay. at seventy five, I think that's a very. I can um, still move a pinball machine. Come on. <laughs> it's not that hard. You're a role model to many now, Gary. <laughs> we all want to be able to swap pinball machines when we're 75 years old. Oh, God, of course you will. Not, they've got a good pin dolly. No big deal. Actually, the only thing is I won't roll the pin dolly on my wood floor. So we had to carry it in. And then I've got those, you know, for you, when you move furniture, you got those little... Felt things to put under it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So right. I can move it all around by myself. Okay, I, I think we're, we're sort of coming towards the end of this uh, this interview. No and, kidding. Uh, <laughs> and thank you very much for. for I gotta tell you, I, I, I'm in danger right now because I may be I may be the last person in the building, and we there's something <laughs> wrong with our alarm system. And the last couple times, it's shown uh, trouble, 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 and taking. <laughs> time to get it set i came in here saturday night last i had to do something and the alarm system showed trouble and i'm saying oh i couldn't get it turned off and i mean i'm ready for the cops to come i got my arms up ready standing out there in case they came well But that's the 75th birthday you'll always remember <laughs> yeah Yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't finished yet we still have a couple more questions if we, if we possibly can just to uh, to squeeze in um in particular, sort of looking back over the, the your 75 years now, you're, you're just about there. Um, what would you say have been the the, the highlights and, or the highs and the lows of uh, your time in the, in the pinball business? Oh well, my lows mm. certainly were a couple times when I uh, went or almost went broke, guys. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I've been up and down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've stuck with this thing in uh, the other comedy. I've done this. I've been in and out of you know different. I, mean, I had different companies, but those would be the lows. The highs. Listen, you know, I've seen you guys all over the world. I've been other people. Um, uh, I this thing has provided a great living for my family and, and a great life for me and and for them. And yet. Has provided, as I point out to the back here, is provided livelihood for a lot of people and a lot of fun for people designing and participating in these games. A lot of fun for people in the uh, out in the field who play these games. So you know, I got all ups and very little downs, and I've been very lucky in life. And you know, there's people that are, yeah, uh, my. 
My ex-mother-in-law used to tell her daughter, there's always somebody richer, smarter, prettier. And um, that's true, but I got no complaints. You know, none of us, none of us, none of your listeners were not in the in the Sudan eating sand or trying to get from Syria to um, Germany or something. Mm. We're all... Well, it's, it's, it's almost unimaginable, but um, if you hadn't spent a lifetime in business, uh, in, in the pinball business, if you hadn't gone into pinball in the first place, what would you have done, do you think? Um, well, I was practicing law. I could have done that. Might have been it doesn't sound like that was a, a vocation for you there. Yeah, I might have been much more financially successful. I don't know. There's some lawyers make a lot of money. Um, I um, I was really, I enjoyed, in, in the early 70s, I owned, with a, uh, I owned Wise Fool's Pub as one of the owners. Um, uh, Luna Castro, who again is the one who tricked me into going to law school um, he um, he uh, his secretary Vivian Ungerleiter her husband David Ungerleiter and I brought these guys out who had this hippie jazz and blues club and uh, you know that was of course every every young man wants to own his own bar uh, you know and uh, I was I was between marriages um, um, and uh uh, and by the way, I'm in contact friendly with both my newest, who's been a decade, my, my child's mother, uh, Denise, who I will be at my birthday dinner tomorrow, of course, and I haven't spoken to her since this morning. And Linda, my first wife, uh, the doctor, who I, who's my age, I talk to periodically uh, and see her. She lives now in the neighborhood. I didn't know she was still there. So, you know, I've been very, you know, very yeah. lucky in that respect. So all's good, right? All's good. So any challenges still ahead? <coughs> yeah, <coughs> the challenge is still ahead. The next game. <laughs> any any personal challenges? Um. Yeah, I'd like to get my boat out of dry dock. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing serious, you know. Life just goes on. Like to see my family. You know, my grandchildren are healthy, uh, so forth. I'd like to see them well and successful. So, you know. And, and have one, one hell of a great birthday tomorrow. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, you know, uh, it's, it, we're starting up Turtles uh, the end of this week, beginning of next week. And I, I'm really liking this game. It is a, you know, at, at a serious time like this that we've had. Uh, this is, you know, my father used to say that a, a pinball machine is a, is like a movie and that it's, it's got to have, um, uh, a, th a theme. It's got to have action. It's got to, you know, uh, uh, have good promotion, good distribution, good filming or artwork and so forth. Uh, but it's not serious it's not like i always use china syndrome which was about uh, the meltdown of a uh, of a uh, wow. uh, nuclear plant and you know, we're not we're just providing fun and that's that's what we're doing and at a time like this a you know a not a shoot 'em up but a gay happy game uh, bright uh, well arted beautifully arted game like turtles is just the perfect thing for right now, and I just like having it in my living room. 
<laughs> always selling. Okay? Always selling. Yeah. <laughs> well, you think you guys, you don't have a copy of this, or I'd make you read this with me. You know, our vision, create a global lifestyle brand built on the iconic and outrageously fun modern American game of pinball that perpetuates pinball in the rapidly growing, adrenalized global community of pinball fanatics for generations to come. It's just about fun. Capital F, capital Q, capital N. Don't worry, we we get it with uh, with just about every press release, I think. Um, <laughs> For which, thank you, and uh, and thank you very much for joining us here on on the eve of your seventy fifth birthday. Um, I'm sure from from Jonathan, myself, and uh, the whole pinball community, we all like to wish you a very happy birthday. Right. And, um, thank you very much. I appreciate y'all thinking about me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully we'll get to to meet before too much longer. Yeah, that would that will be nice. That will be nice. You know, we lost London's. Uh, sh uh, uh, Weekend, uh, you know, London opened. Yeah, yeah the open day. Uh, yeah, I right. hope. I hope that we're all in uh, London in September for the IAPA show. Yeah, that would yeah, be nice. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I'm planning it. Well, if not, then, then hopefully October in uh, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well. Gary Stern, thank you very much for, for taking a not inconsiderable amount of time to talk to us today. And uh, once again, a very happy birthday. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to seeing you before too long. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. And, you know, good luck and stay healthy. Stay well. You too, Gary. You too. Thank you.